Osinski's Inner Circle. I'm Bobby Osinski, and this is a show all about music, music production, and the music business. My guest today is the director of the Indie Week Conference, Daryl Hers. First of all, you're probably aware that playlists sort of control the music industry, but I'm sure you don't realize just how much. Streaming music has been sold as a way to listen to just about any song whenever you want, pretty much on demand. However, subscribers listen to playlists that are being prepared by algorithms or human curators instead of making their own selections. As a result, playlists are increasingly pervasive. It's pretty much what we listen to. Spotify wants to take this a step further. They want subscribers to listen as much as possible during the day. And one way of doing that is feeding them what they call stream bait. That's the kind of background music that can be left on all day without getting tired of it. So Spotify pushes undemanding options like chill hits, chill vibes, chill rap, de-stressed chill, chilled soul, peaceful piano, a lot of chills in there. By nudging listeners towards these playlists, Spotify is training us to outsource all of our listening decisions to them. Now here's the thing. Passive listeners are less likely to form any kind of connection with the artists who make the music that they're listening to, or to seek out their gigs. Instead, they just keep loading up the playlists that promise more of the same and then accept whatever interchangeable artists are loaded up next. Musicians looking for that monster streaming number that it takes to make a living from streaming are steered towards tunes that just aren't that challenging as a result. That's a huge reason why what's popular today is short without intros and bridges and solos. So music is changing because of streaming. And to take it a step further, music is changing even more because of playlists. Yes, playlists can be your friend, but they're also the enemy too. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. Also, I'm pleased to announce that the fifth edition of my Mixing Engineer's Handbook is now available. It's totally updated and includes new sections on mixing and immersive audio, self-mastering, new mixer interviews, and much more. Get your copy at a special discounted price at bobbyosinski.com forward slash handbook. That's bobbyosinski.com forward slash handbook. You can also find it on Amazon and Apple Books. And remember... You can learn all about the latest in music, audio, and production news when you sign up for my newsletter at bobbyosinski.com. There you'll also find out about openings for my latest online classes and special events. That's bobbyosinski.com. Now, you might have wondered how consumers actually consume their audio every day, and Qualcomm wanted to find that out as well. Qualcomm is the company that designs the audio codec chips that go in all the cell phones and wireless headphones and earbuds. So it's important for them to know some of these things. Now, this study, I think, is somewhat skewed because, after all, they want to sell codec chips. But that being said, there are some useful insights. How do people consume their music? So it's in this order. First is a smartphone speaker, then the TV speaker. Wireless earbuds are third, followed by wireless headphones. Then speaker in your laptop. Then smart speakers. Then Bluetooth speakers. Then a soundbar. And finally, 
home office speaker. So there's lots of ways that we consume our audio, but number one is a smartphone speaker, at least right now. So like I say, it's in Qualcomm's interest to have more and more manufacturers use their codecs, and especially with a brand new Bluetooth LE codec coming out that has much higher audio quality and gives longer battery life, that's pretty important. So they wanted to find out why people buy wireless earbuds. And what they found out is 58% are driven by audio quality. It's really important to them. 41% of consumers in the United States already own wireless earbuds, and 20% are going to buy them in the next 12 months. Again, Bluetooth LE is a big driver here because of the increased audio quality, which is going to be CD quality or a little better, and longer battery life. So why do they buy wireless earbuds? Believe it or not, the first thing is active noise cancellation. It's super important to people. Next is lossless audio quality. Next is spatial audio. And then hearing personalization. And then voice assistance. And then finally, fitness and health. Now it turns out that battery life is a really big deal. 70% of users want earbuds to last at least five hours. 26% went 14 hours. Problem is that most devices in 2022 offer somewhere between four and 10 hours, which is almost enough for a full day, but maybe not so much. So obviously more is better. Bottom line is that slowly but surely the world is adopting wireless earbuds. And thanks to Bluetooth LE, they're expecting to get better audio quality. So the best thing you can do is concentrate on that audio quality in your next production because it's going to mean more and more to more and more wireless earbud and headphone users as we go along. My guest this week is Daryl Herz, who has a 25-year history in the music business, including launching and running Indie Week Canada, one of Canada's largest emerging artist showcase conferences. He's also launched Music Pro Summit, Screen by Screen, and the Indie 101 online music and tech conferences. Daryl is also currently the Director of Market Development in Canada for online distributor CD Baby. Some of his past positions include graphic design and event branding for Live Nation, artist manager, and venue booker. During the interview, we spoke about the advice that led him to change careers, getting a job with Live Nation, the biggest mistake indie artists make, trends in the indie world, and much more. I spoke with Daryl via Zoom from his office in Toronto. How about some background and how you get into the business? It's it's one of those long stories. I've I've done almost every position in the business, but uh, started off as usual. Wanted to be a musician in a band. Um, probably about since grade six, I want I knew I wanted to do something in music, and I ended up taking guitar and composition in college. So I've studied theory and went through that whole process, went on the road in a number of bands. And uh, I've been a booker, a producer, record label, uh, promoter, uh, tour manager, uh, pretty much almost everything you could think of, uh, including on the digital side, I did branding for Live Nation for about eight years. Uh, so I've done a lot of that side of it as well. But uh, well, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> The interesting part here is how you went from musician to what was the next part, Booker? Uh, truthfully, it was digital first. It was, I think, 1997. I was working for 
HMV, a record store. And I was in a band and HMV just wasn't working out. I think they were actually phasing out musicians because we were always the ones going, can I get Friday off? Can I get Saturday <laughs> off? I got a gig. So, so I think that we were getting phased out and I'd, I'd actually gone to my manager and said, you know, why don't you transfer me to another store? And she said, no, I don't think that'll fix things. And I was like, well, why don't you put me part-time? And no, I don't think so. So I just said, I quit. And, and she literally was like, are, are you sure? Don't you want to think about it? And I was like, yeah, okay, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, she's like, no, don't you want to take a night? And I'm like, no, nah, that just means one extra day. So, and then I left and then I told like, so basically you can get, we call it pogey or unemployment insurance but you can't get it if you quit. So I told the government I quit because the singer that my band was starting a record label and I was going to be the A&R rep, but that didn't happen. So they, they allowed me to have uh, this unemployment insurance. And then I knew it was going to run out and I did a bit of research and I found out that the government would extend unemployment insurance if you were in a course. And so I did some research and I, I took desktop publishing because I wanted to know how to make my own CD covers and posters. And also the government would subsidize it. So uh, I got the government to pay for a course. It was like three and a half months and I've been doing digital ever since and it's changed my life. I started actually freelancing immediately and I've been self-employed ever since. And uh, so I kind of left music for a while and went onto the digital side. I was doing graphics and websites and teaching as well. And then once I started making real money, I went back to music and spent my money being able to tour myself or produce videos and stuff like that. So, and I've stayed in the digital side as well. You were a booker for a while. How did that happen? <laughs> it's, it's an interesting story. I kind of just made my own job. I, I, you'll, you'll find I've, I've kind of like, I've always sort of made it up as I went. And, uh, uh, during that time, uh, a friend of mine came to me and said, Hey, there's, there's this venue that's above this club and no one's booking anything there. It's not being used. You should go to the owners and, and tell them you'll book it. So that's what I did. I arranged a meeting with the owners and said, uh, I'll book the club. And I came back at the end of the week saying, here's the calendar until Christmas. And they're like, we thought you wanted a night. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, uh, I kind of basically created myself a job there. And I was there for about two and a half years. They ended up selling the club and I was on the road tour managing a band at the time. And I ended up booking a couple other clubs later on after, but very similar. It was, it's like, I just created myself a, a position. (laughs) well okay that begs the question then going from being a musician and being in a band that is playing at clubs and then being on the other side and booking them was there a revelation for you when that happened there is there was a very specific moment I, i i did my first indie week and it was the last day last performance and a booking agent friend uh, came over to me and he said, you know what you have to do now? And I was like, what? He said, he pointed to the stage and he said, you have to decide, are you one of them or one of us? Because fragmenting your time that way uh, and focus means you probably won't do either very well. So 
did a bit of thinking and and I, I decided to let that side go and, and be more on the industry side. How did you feel when you made that decision? It, it was time. It's funny. A lot of people still ask me about, like, do you still play and stuff? I have not played at all since, uh, maybe once or twice. And that, that was some like almost 20 years ago. So I'm pretty, when I make a decision, I make a decision and I stick with it. The reason why I ask is for me, I was on the road and the day I decided I wasn't going to do that. And I was just going to stay in, in the studio. It was one of the best days of my life because all this pressure was gone because you identify as a musician and suddenly I didn't have to worry about that anymore. So I just felt fantastic after that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a person, I think that just likes challenges and I've, I found a new challenge. And, and so I put all my efforts into it and uh, no regrets. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you get to live nation? And, uh, okay. This is a, a fun one. So it was a Monday and I got a call out of the blue say asking, I hear you're the guy that does Photoshop and web. I'm like, yeah. And they asked, do you have a resume? I was like, no, I'm really busy. It would have been out of date. I don't have time to keep it up. Do you have a website? Nah, same thing. I actually took it down because it was out of date. Uh, do you have any examples? No, I had to take it off my hard drive because it was clogging it up and I need space because I'm working. And they're like, okay, so you don't really have anything to show us. No, not really. <laughs> uh, and and they're like, uh, but you could do this. Yeah. And I didn't know it was Live Nation at that time. And and this, so this is going back sometime where there was no Google Drive, there was no file transfer. And he's like, okay, I'm going to start sending you multiple emails because I have to send the files and file size and such. Uh, and then I'll give you a call after. And so I start downloading files and it's like David Bowie, Mariah Carey, Rolling Stones. And I was like, holy shit, I think this is Live Nation. And sure enough, he calls and he goes, you probably guessed it's Live Nation. And I was like, yep. And so he's like, okay, but you can do this. Yeah. And what it was, was designing fan club cards for each of the artists that was going to be sold through Walmart. And he goes, good, because it's due tomorrow morning. <laughs> And we're at about noon, one o'clock right now. And I'm like, okay, that's no problem. And and so uh, I, I I stopped for a bit after the call and I thought, you know, Live Nation is a big company. This is one small job. I want all the jobs. So I sent a link later and uh, the next day, uh, Bruce, that's my contact. Uh, he called me and he's kind of freaking out. He's like, you got to send me the files. And I was like, well, I sent you a link. And he's like, a link? Yeah, yeah, just open the email and click it. Because he's expecting files in the email. And uh, he clicks it, and he's like, what's this? And I said, well, well, mouse over, like, you'll see the cards. You can click on it. It'll show three. For your mouse, it'll flip. You see the front and the back. And he's like, you built a website to show us the examples? And you did that in, like, a day? And I was like, yeah. And again, in my head, I'm like, I want all the jobs. And uh, so he said, they're going to like that. And they did. They came back and asked, can I do the micro site for Walmart to sell the cards? So, yes. And I, I created the micro site. And then after that was a conference call where basically it led to 
us launching VIPNation.com for them. So I went from a club card to a microsite to a really big, leading a really big project. And that led to about eight to nine years working with them as a freelancer and different offices across the US and designing assets and ended up branding the company. And uh, it wasn't until recently, actually, I was digging through some of the files and the current logo is actually, looks very much like a version of a logo that I'd sent prior to my departure from them. There was just uh, one little change. So, so even the current brand is reminiscent of some of the work I've done with them. Wow, very cool. How did Indie Week come about? Was that while you were doing this with Live Nation? Yeah, so so I've, I've it was during booking a club, teaching. I was an assistant to a designer and doing Live Nation all at the same time, and um, it was just in response to the band that I was in. We couldn't get into some of the big local festivals, and we were selling out clubs and and really doing well. And there was a number of artists that were the same. And I'm like, how is it that these artists are getting missed by the local festivals? So I just thought we need a platform where independent artists that are local have a chance, similar chance to be on a stage, get in front of industry, learn about the business. And it was really meant to be just a hobby, but it kept growing and growing. And eventually international artists started showing up and we had a conference and that grew uh and now it's it's a well prior to covid we were 24 venues about 240 bands from around the world uh four or five days including conference uh and now we've pivoted to we're doing online conferences we do four conferences a year and they're all online uh so so we've changed quite drastically but really focusing on education and creating connections that lead to in-person business how do you focus on the artists then? Because that's the main thing behind it, right? Yeah, well, a lot of it is education. And and one thing we found during the pandemic is a lot of artists are, what do I do now? And how do I do this? How do I navigate? And especially the digital era that we're going into. So we really do find that there's this need to help educate them, but also you know, especially during the lockdown, help them make connections because the reality is we're making more connections than ever before because we have people tune in from around the world. Uh, and before it'd be like, I could never make it to Indie Week because I couldn't fly there. I couldn't afford a hotel. I couldn't take time off work, all of those kinds of things. And now people don't have those barriers. They're actually tuning in from literally everywhere. And, uh, I'm very excited about where we're going with it and, and the future of the developments we're working on right now. So how many days is it now? It's uh, this year is going to be a Tuesday through Saturday of all, all online conferences. And we've got, we, we are actually streaming a one day conference on the Saturday from LA called future worlds. And it's all on metaverse on the Friday. We've got a DIY day presented by CD baby. Uh, and then the other few days is focused on a lot of international connections, B2B marketing, demo listening and, and such. So it's, it's really, it's really quite 
broad, but really focused on what artists need right now. Speaking of CD Baby, you're doing work for them too, aren't you? Yes, yes. I do the market development in Canada for CD Baby and Downtown Music. CD Baby's always been one of my favorites going way, way back to even when they started. Yeah, you know, it's it was funny when I was talking to them first about getting hired and, and such that I remember the days when Derek Sivers, the founder, when he created his first site and the, the actual baby face was on a CD for his logo and talking to him a number of times. And, and he actually told me when he was uh, leaving CD Bay, he's like, I sold the company. I'm moving to Asia. So uh, it's it was the right fit for me when I started working with CD Baby. It, it's helping DIY artists. It's helping emerging artists get their music out there, getting them paid properly. And a big focus with CD Baby is about education for the artists. And, and so it's just the right fit. Okay, that begs the question. Since you've been doing this for quite a while and you've seen all sides of the business, what do you think the biggest mistake that indie artists make? There's, there's about three, and they're all interconnected, of course. The first one is marketing. It seems to be literally 99% of the artists I talk to do not put together a proper budget to advertise and do marketing for their releases or for their shows. In this day and age, putting out digital ads that grows your audience while you sleep for one, but two builds data that you can actually use and really start making strategic decisions on. I just, it's, it's a no brainer to me, but so many people avoid doing it. And I understand that there's a learning curve there and sometimes they'll try something once. And if it doesn't quite work the way that they anticipated, they go, I tried it. I won't do that again. And, and it is a learning curve and it has to take time. The other couple of things that I think are mistakes is doing things with intention. Social media has gotten to be like, oh, just post this. Oh, just put that up where, you know, and I'm actually talking to an artist right now about it, where did it really have any impact? Did it connect with somebody? Did you gain more fans? Like, so why invest time if there's no intention behind it that produces no results if you're trying to promote your music your brand what you're doing and i understand you know personal accounts and stuff so sometimes it's you know do personal account do business account and keep it separate so that so that you can really and this is sort of the third part uh where it's tied together is really develop your brand and i i find that today's artists, and, and it's not their fault. I mean, they're growing up where there's no framework. There's like, when I grew up, at least there was a framework, you know, even there's a touring circuit, there's a C circuit, a B circuit, and an A circuit. And you had to do things to get to the A circuit. Now it's like, choose your own adventure, make it all up. And everybody's just doing that. And about five or six years later, they might go, oh, that's what I've been doing wrong all this time. So branding is something that's really important where you build the value that can turn into a monetary value where sponsors come on board. Uh, of course, when you're negotiating deals, you've got something to bring to the table to actually negotiate a good deal versus take whatever you get. You build equity that way. And this is where it all sort of ties into all the stuff that we're working on is to educate artists how to do this stuff and 
do it sooner rather than later. Try to avoid making the mistakes. I know I made all the mistakes possible when I was in bands or managing bands sometimes or and such. Like I've seen the angles and I've seen what worked and what didn't work. Not saying I'm perfect, but you know, when you when you do stuff, you you start figuring out, ah, this doesn't work. This does. Uh, and let's refine it. So that's where we're at right now. I'm glad you said that. Uh, one of the books that I've written is social media promotion for musicians. And first of all, a lot about branding. And second of all, about actually posting, as you say, with intent, because a lot of people say, well, I'm online. I know how to do it. I'm a user. But that's not the way it works. Promoting yourself is completely different than just using social media. So you, you you have to have a strategy behind it in order to make things work. And that's one of the things I kind of drill down on. But you're right. That You know, how do you know unless you go through that or somebody tells you? And, and as well, right now, it's like with the digital age, it's like we talk about data and so many artists are like, what data? Where do I get data? Do I have data? And, and, and sometimes it's like not knowing where to look and how to find it. And with social media ads, I can always sort of tell how much an artist knows about it because I'll ask, do you know what a Facebook pixel is? And right off the bat, off they're like, what's that? So then I know that they're not in the game and you have to be using the tools that are out there because your competition is. And by not using the tools that your competition is, you're, you're kind of taking yourself completely out of the game and leaving it up to chance. And as we know, chance, it's like it may strike and one artist may also be like viral for some reason. And then everybody tries to recreate what they've seen, but it's it's not their gig. It's it's the one person got viral and no one else does. So, yeah, when you use the tools, you're, you're giving yourself a better fighting chance against all the competition. And, you know, the latest numbers that have been coming out is 70 to 90,000 songs per day are being uploaded. So if you're not advertising, if you're not marketing, and you know there's a percentage that is, you're out of the game. You know, it's funny because I live really close to two world-class mastering studios, and they're my friends, and I go hang out with them all the time. And inevitably, I'll go in and I'll listen to something that's, a fantastic record and then it will come up well what are you going to do with this and they go oh i don't know so they basically record the whole thing and then try to figure out what to do with it afterwards and it's way too late at that time exactly and the other thing what people do is they release and then they decide to start how do i promote it and i've, I've done an actual case study because you, you know i look at success stories and I go, how did that happen? And one of the biggest success stories is Marvel Universe. They seem to can't do anything wrong. And like, oh, this one was a bad one. They only made X number million on the opening, you know, and, and it's like, oh, okay, that's a bad one. Uh, but the good one, they made a billion on for opening weekend with Avengers Endgame. So I studied it a bit. And, you know, they announced the release date four years in advance. And so therefore everything is marketing, but it doesn't look like marketing. Like who's directing it? We don't know. But when they announce it, that's marketing. Oh, so-and-so is going to be on as an actor. That's marketing. Here's a drawing of Thor's costume. 
oh, what's Iron Man going to wear? So they build this curiosity organically, but it's with intent. It's truthfully marketing for them. So these are the things to look at is what are people doing to be successful? How are they getting there? And how can you use that? And the beauty is right now, you can do exactly what they're doing because the tools are available. And when I was in a band, I I kind of joke, yeah, we had to go to the studio and it was like a hundred an hour. And so by the time we're done recording, that's thousands of dollars. And we probably rehearsed before that in a rehearsal space and that's X number of dollars. So there's more money. So when we're finished the recording, we had to do the mix, the master, that's more money. We had to get artwork done. That's more money. And then we had to get plastic CDs created. So, and there's minimums. And often you said, well, if we go to the next level, it's cheaper. So you buy more. So that's thousands of dollars. And if you did a video back then, it was like at least $20,000. And that was looking very indie. And then you go, cool, where, where can I put my CD? No record stores would take it. No radio stations would play it. You had to hustle. You had to go on the road. You had to do shows. You had to be putting up posters. You had to be really hustling. And I just find that's a lost art right now because I think everybody thinks, well, I'll just release it on Spotify and that's it. And and so, you know, it cost us so much money and we had none of these tools. Either is even, I was talking, uh, I was at a conference uh, just on the weekend and I was talking to some people. I'm like, remember when you had to buy that contact book? It was like really thick and it had all the phone numbers of all the radio stations and the media outlets and and all the record labels and A&R and all that stuff. And you, that, was, that alone was like a couple hundred bucks. And it was a new one every year because all the phone numbers changed. And uh, you had to do research by calling everybody. <laughs> Yeah. And, and and it's funny where you try to get artists now often like, hey, can you do some ads? Can you do some emails? Can you? It, it's really a new world, but the tools are here. The tools are are out there to be used. And I guess our mission is to educate artists on what tools are available and how to plan strategically, how to get a release out there and how to monetize. Do you see any trends happening in the indie world? Uh, there, there's a few different types of trends. Um, we're in a weird stage, uh, especially after the last couple of years, there's a group that just wants to get back out on the road. There's a group that's hesitant still. Is it safe for one? Can they do it? But there's also an outside influence that's forcing decisions and that's inflation. So there's a lack of tour buses right now. So some tours are canceled because they actually can't get a tour bus. Uh, sound techs and crew are all on the road and it's hard to get good crew right now. Uh, and so therefore those prices are up, <coughs> excuse me. And then lights, gas, hotels are through the roof in, in budgets. So, so I think we're just in this interesting phase on a lot of people trying to figure out what's their next move. And, you know, some are kind of forcing into thinking stronger into digital because the touring part isn't there. And others are really doubling down on the touring and trying to tour as much as possible right now while they can. I think it's still going to be another two to five years before it kind of settles out 
into what's the, I hate the phrase, but new norm. And, and technology is advancing all around us in behind the scenes that we don't really know about. But when they pull the trigger on it, it's just going to be a game changer for everything. One last question for you, Daryl. Sure. What's the best piece of advice that maybe someone gave to you or you learned along the way? Ooh, there's a few. Uh, that one that I said earlier about decide whether you're up there or back here, that was, that was like, I had to kind of focus, you know, or otherwise it'd be fragmented. And okay. So I, I had this really great guitar teacher. He was to me genius. Uh, he taught really proficiently guitar, bass, violin, trumpet, trombone, clarinet, flute piano and i'm sure i'm missing a trump did i say trombone or tuba like he literally taught every instrument and he's the one that prepared me for college and gave up his time on saturdays and and really like a lot of music theory got me prepared and we lost touch and i went on the road after college i was in bands and stuff and when i worked at hmv after coming off the road, he was actually working in the mall at a different record store. And so I was like, Oh, Elmer. Oh my God. Found you. Like I need some lessons. And he's like, no, I'm like, no. Okay. But, uh, can we jam? No, I'll pay you. He's like, no. And he literally was, I can't teach you anything else. You just need to go out and do it. That, that really has sort of rung true throughout my years of, just do it. And I think in, I see in so many careers hesitation and, you know, should I do this? And then they end up talking themselves into not doing it. That so many opportunities and chances are missed as a result where literally just do it. And, and sometimes you have to go on faith. Sometimes you have to go into the unknown. Uh, sometimes you just go, I don't know what's, if anything's going to happen, but I'm going to do it. And as a result of that, I got to say, you know, I was able to meet John Densmore of the Doors that way, uh, Mike Joyce from the Smiths, uh, bassist of uh, Sex Pistols. Uh, we had Marky Ramone last year on our, our Indie Week as a, as a keynote. And the, literally without any fear, just asking a lot of these people, hey, will you talk for us? And most of them are like, sure. And, and it, I, you know, I was like, what do I say? Like, usually you're talking yourself. Okay. I got to say this and I got to watch what I say and don't say this. And like, you're, you talk yourself out of the opportunity many times. So him saying, nope, just go out and do it. And, and that's been sort of my motto. One of the catchphrases that I've said, and, and some of the bands sort of joke to me about it, but it's uh, the phrase I use is just figure it out. And that kind of, that it's a phrase that's gotten me through a lot because it applies to absolutely any uh, situation that you're in. Just figure it out. You can find out more about Daryl and the upcoming Indie Week conference at IndieWeek.com. That's Indie Week, I-N-D-I-E-W-E-E-K, all one word, IndieWeek.com. Thanks for listening and being in my inner circle. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at BobbyOsinski.com. Remember that you can learn all about the latest in music, audio, and production news when you sign up for my newsletter at bobbyosinski.com. 
There you'll also find out about openings for my latest online classes and special events. That's bobbyosinski.com. To listen to the episodes of Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle, go to bobbyosinski.com and select the podcast tab, or go to bobbyoinnercircle.com, or you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Podbean. At bobbyosinski.com and bobbyoinnercircle.com, you'll also find a sign-in form for my newsletter and for alerts for new podcasts. This is Bobby Osinski. I will see you next time. <laughs>